Welcome to Samford University's Campus Worship. We hope you enjoy the presentation. Um, so it's great to be here. I think the band did an awesome job. I think they led us into the presence of Christ this morning. I saw some of the beauty of Jesus in those songs we just sang. It is great to be here. Here I, here I am about three months in um, and uh, moved down and spent, we'd spent, we had spent probably six months in the house and we got down here to Alabama and we spent another three months in the house because it was so hot. And, but now it's starting to feel like Michigan in July and I am really enjoying Alabama. I'm enjoying the weather and I'm enjoying being here and it's great to be here today and it's great to be worshiping with all of you. This is a new experience for me. I came, to, I came here from Central Michigan University. It's a good state school but we don't have chapel and so, or convo and uh, we don't, I worship together with a lot of students but not, not, uh, not in the chapel on campus and so this is pretty sweet. Before I start, I just want to ask God to um, bless this time together. Holy God, I ask that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would open all of our hearts to hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. When we were raising our kids, we spent a lot of time watching The Princess Bride. I'm sure a lot of you have also seen that movie. We watched it so many times we could actually turn the soundtrack off <laughs> and say the words, say the lines as people were speaking. Um, so one of the scenes that I really like in that movie is uh, where, if you, if you recall the movie or if you've watched the movie, if you haven't, I'll just tell you really quickly, uh, it revolves around a love story. and. The princess in the story at one point is kidnapped by three guys and as they're making their way uh, across the ocean they spot a sail behind them and eventually they find that there's a man in black that's chasing them. And so they make their way and each of the persons, a swordsman, expert swordsman, a giant and, uh, and then finally Bizzini, the mastermind behind the kidnapping um, has an encounter with the man in black. He defeats the first two and then he comes upon, the, the man in black comes upon Vicini who's sitting on a stone with a knife to Princess Buttercup's throat and warns him not to come any closer and so the man in black challenges him to a battle of wits. The man, the Vizzini pours wine in two goblets, the man in black pulls out a packet and he says this packet contains iocane powder. You cannot smell it, you cannot taste it, but it's deadly. He takes the goblets, turns his back, when he turns back around the packet is empty and he sets the goblets in front of them. He says, all right, where is the poison? The battle of wits has begun. It ends when you decide and we both drink and find out who is right and who is dead. Well, Proverbs 9 also confronts us with a sort of battle of wits. It's a choice between wisdom and folly. 
and the stakes are every bit as high for us as they were for the man in black and Vizzini. But unlike that contest, there are clear signs that point us toward the right choice. And the proverb also takes time to tell us what sort of disposition we need to have in order to identify and make the right choice. I'd like to just take a minute to read through the entire proverb. I think it's worth reading. It's very picturesque. So Proverbs 9. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her maids, and she calls from the highest point in the city. Let all who are simple come in here. She says to those who lack judgment, Come, eat of my food. Drink of the wine that I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live. Walk in the way of understanding. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insult. Whoever rebukes a wicked man incurs abuse. Do not rebuke a mocker, or he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. Instruct a wise man, and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, and he will add to his learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through me, your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. The woman folly is loud. She is undisciplined and without knowledge. She sits at the door of her house, at a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. Let all who are simple come in here. She says to those who, who lack judgment, stolen water is sweet. Bread eaten in secret is delicious. But little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of the grave. So Proverbs 9 tells us what wisdom looks like, what folly looks like, and the disposition we need to have to make the right choice. So we can go with our eyes open into that choice. It starts out by telling us how to spot wisdom. So what characteristics should we look for? How can we identify wisdom wherever we, can, wherever we encounter it? Well, here's the first thing you look for. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. Wisdom is industrious. Wisdom works hard. Wisdom builds a house. Wisdom cuts stone pillars from stone and sets them up and builds a house. The kind of house they have envisioned here is a house with a walled courtyard in the front, very common shape of house, and then the house in the back supported by pillars and possibly a second story as well. It's a stately house, it's an open house, and it is especially open because she is inviting people to come. So the first thing we see about wisdom, what characterizes her, is industriousness. She works hard. Second thing we notice about wisdom is she's generous. Wisdom 
gives. She's liberal in her, she's open-handed. What is she doing here? It says she has prepared her meat. Boy, now there's a weak translation of <laughs> prepares her meat. Oh, let's see. Put the spices on it, stick it in the oven. It, the, the original, the Hebrew is she's slaughtered her slaughtered. And what does that mean? In biblical times when you were going to lay out a feast, you may remember there are a few times Abraham has, Abraham entertains guests and he lays out a feast. Remember the prodigal son in, uh, when he comes back to his father and his father says, slaughter the fatted calf? This is what's being talked about here. She's taking a whole bull and she's slaughtering the whole thing. So we're not talking about a little meat. We're talking about a lot of meat. We're talking about a whole bull's worth of meat laid out on a table. And then it says she's mixed her wine. So she's taken the very best wine she can find, and then she's put spices in it. And in ancient times, they used to put spices in wine when they were laying out a feast in order to make the wine even more potent. Because what we have here is a celebration. This is a rich feast. This is a sumptuous feast. So she's generous. She lays out a feast. Here's another thing about wisdom. We often think about wisdom as elusive, right? It's kind of hard to find wisdom. Boy, you have to work hard for it. It's hiding under a rock somewhere. You're not, not exactly sure where to find it. No, not, not wisdom. If, if it's something that's hiding, you say, hmm, what's going on here? Because wisdom is out in the open. Wisdom is standing on the highest places in the city, and she's actually sending out her maidens, uh, young women who work for her, and they're seeking people out. Wisdom is looking for you. Wisdom is looking for me. Wisdom is inviting us. Wisdom's going out and trying to bring us in. It's a big feast. She's laid it all out. She doesn't want it to go to waste. She wants us to enjoy it. And so she says, what is the feast? Here it is. First, leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of understanding. She's offering us life. That's another thing that wisdom does, is offers life. She offers life, not just in the sense of our hearts beating and our being able to move around, but life in the sense of living to the full of living an abundant life, of enjoying life, of being fully engaged in life, of making it an adventure, of enjoying that adventure. That's the kind of thing she's, we're talking about here is that kind of life, what Jesus called the abundant life. So, if that's what wisdom looks like, she's industrious, you're industrious, you work hard at your studies, you work hard at your job, that's wisdom. That's a piece of wisdom. By the way, what is wisdom? In Proverbs, wisdom is really skillful living. It's living skillfully. Um, I play bass guitar. I've been envying that bass back there. Sheree, my wife, is somewhere in here, and she's probably saying, oh, no, not another bass. <laughs> I love that split pickup. It sounds great. Um, but, I, but I find that it's not easy to get that skill. It's something I have to practice at constantly. I'm kind of a handyman, and I, and I was terrible. The first time I did a drywall job, I was terrible at it. I, it looked awful. The wall looked awful. I'm good at it now, but I've been doing it for a long time. I've remodeled a lot. 
I'm a historian, I study, I, I work with primary sources. That's a skill that takes time, that's frustrating the first time you do it, frustrating the second, actually frustrating the hundredth time you do it, but you get a little better at it and you learn a few tricks. Wisdom is like that. It's not something that comes easily. It's something you have to practice. It's something you have to learn. It's something that gets better over time. And we're going to see that in just a second here. So what do you have, what kind of person do you have to be in order to figure out when wisdom's calling you? Because some of it's on us, actually. Some of it is on us to pay attention, to hear the call. Well, it gives us one negative example and then a couple of positive examples. The negative example is the mocker. It says, whoever corrects a mocker invites insult, who rebukes a wicked man incurs abuse. So those two things, mockery and wickedness, you get into those, you are not going to hear the voice of wisdom or when you're going to hear it, or when you hear it, you're going to laugh at it, you're going to mock at it. There are four times, of, well, five, five kinds of people, actually six, really, when you, when you count wicked in there. Um, but you'll see them time and time again in Proverbs. One is the wise man, the person who's good at skillful living. Another is the righteous man, the person who lives according to the will of the Lord. Another is the simple person. That's the person that's kind of on the fence that doesn't know a whole lot and could go either direction. Then there's the fool, and that's the person that has gone the wrong direction Maybe that person can be recovered, but maybe not. And then there's the mocker, and that's the person that is hardened in the direction they've chosen and is closed, and in fact closed in such a way that they've, they've turned off the voice of wisdom, and not only have they turned it off, but they mock at it. There's a sense in which I think a lot of the comedy that we see on, on television, on YouTube or whatever, is that kind of... of, of um, that kind of humor is that kind of mockery. Um, there's a fine line, probably, between um, satire, pointed satire, and mockery. Um, but you could say that ours is a cynical age. When you've given over to cynicism, when you're suspicious of everything, when, you're not, when you just doubt that anybody's telling the truth, when you think everybody has an angle, even the person who's offering you wisdom. You're in danger of a couple of positive examples here that one of them that points us to the, what I was telling you just a minute ago about wisdom being a continuous process. It's a continuous learning process. Wisdom is a path. It's a journey. It's something we're set on. And you can see this because it says, rebuke a wise man and he will love you. If, if you're wise and somebody calls you out, says, boy, you really screwed up there. You listen to him and you say, thank you. I'm glad you told me that. I need people in my life to call me out um, from time to time. I still do. I mean, I'm 61 years old, <laughs> but uh, I still need folks to call me out. I still screw up. Um, teach a righteous man and he will add to his learning. Hear that? So uh, uh, we, talk, we talk a lot here at, at Sanford, and actually in higher education generally, we talk about um, lifelong learning. That's what we're talking about here, lifelong learning. You never stop learning. I sometimes tell people, the day I stop learning, just take me out behind the barn and shoot me. 
<laughs> I'm done living. If I've stopped learning, I'm done living. I need to keep learning. I need to be open to it. Here's the other one. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. How do you get started on this? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the holy is understanding. So what does it mean to fear the Lord? One thing it means to fear the Lord is to fear the Lord. <laughs> uh, in, the, in Exodus, when, it, when the children of Israel led out of Egypt, remember Moses leads them to Sinai, and there Moses meets God. And at one point in that meeting, Moses has, uh, God actually calls the people of Israel onto the mountain to have this covenant feast with him. And God comes down while they're having this feast on this mountain in thunder and clouds and lightning, and people are scared out of their wits. Earthquakes, the ground shaking, and they're saying, Moses, tell him to stop. You know, go up and talk to him yourself. You know, don't, don't have him talk to us. This is scary. Hebrews 12 says, You have not come to a mountain. We who have trusted in Jesus Christ have not come to a mountain that can be shaken, have not come to a voice that, pe that people beg that no further, voice be, no further word be spoken. We've come to the real thing. We are really in the presence of the real God. We're we have direct access to it. It's awesome in the sense of awe-inspiring. He's powerful. It's like standing by Niagara Falls. If you slip, I remember visiting Niagara Falls and thinking, man, I'm only a couple of feet from that thing. If I slip and fall in, I'm going over. I'm dead if I step into Niagara Falls. But Niagara Falls is also beautiful. It's a place I've gone back to several times, and it's a place I'd love to go back to again. It's something I can't get enough of. In The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, C.S. Lewis, you probably remember this one too. C.S. Lewis uh, talks about the, the Pevensey children, four children who, who go and visit Narnia. The first time they get there, they're met by two, uh, that is all four of them, they're met by uh, a couple of talking beavers who take them to their home, have dinner with them, and then tell, talk to them about what's been going on, and they say, Aslan is on the move. And the children say, well, who's Aslan? Well, Aslan's the lion. They immediately become concerned, and they say, ooh, is he a tame lion? I mean, is he safe? The beaver snorts, of course he's not safe. He's a lion. He's the king, I tell you, but he's good. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about God, a healthy respect, a recognition of who he is, of who he really is, of his awesome power and might. But also, it's an invitation to participate in that, to be part of that life, to, be, to get closer to that God who knows how to velvet his paws. Aslan knows how to velvet his paws. Okay, so that's what kind of person fundamentally we need to be. We need to be the kind of person that fears the Lord in order to continue on this path, in order to hear the voice of wisdom, to respond, sit down, and enjoy the feast. So if that's what wisdom looks like, if that's what we need to look like, what does folly look like?
Well, here's folly. Folly is loud. She's undisciplined. She's boisterous. In fact, the word is, um, the words here refer to a woman who is kind of a woman of the night. Folly is boisterous. Folly is a party animal. That's who folly is. Hey, come party with me. Hey, come over to my house. Hey, <laughs> we're going to have fun together. So she's boisterous. You see her all the time. I mean, the, so, if, you know, if you look at this and you, she's undisciplined and she sits at the door of her house and on the seat in the highest place in the city and she says, let all who are simple come in here. If any of you have seen the old Mae West movies, it's kind of like, come up and see me sometime. It's that kind of thing. Or I see her all the time. In fact, right now, uh, when I go to Publix or when I go to Walgreens, you know, I see, I see woman folly. On Cosmopolitan Magazine, one of the Kardashians, I bet you a bunch of you have too. That's, that's a picture of woman folly. That's kind of who she is, the Kardashian of the week, <laughs> woman folly. That's, kind, that's what, that's what he, he has in mind here. Um, that's the import of this particular passage. She's, she's also looking for you. Well, she's sort of looking for you. She's lazy. That's one of the things about folly. You notice where wisdom is standing and walking and going around looking for people. Folly's sitting by the door of her house and just kind of giving a come on to the people who are walking by. She's, she, it's also important to notice she's not offering you anything. She says, this is a bring your own food. This is a bring your own wine kind of party. And actually, this is a bring wine and food that you've stolen. Encourages you to steal your food. Encourages you to, encourages you to, to, to enjoy it in secret, to hang out. And by the way, there are sexual overtones to this one too. You know, come on and enjoy. Come, come on and enjoy this. We just won't let anybody know what's going on. Nobody will ever know. Nobody will ever know if I cheat on the test. <laughs> Nobody will ever know if I plagiarize the paper. Nobody will ever know if I cheat on my girlfriend. Whatever, you know. Nobody will ever know. That's 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 how you recognize folly. She's that kind. She's that voice. This going on. She. That's the voice of folly. And by the way, she's not offering you life. She is actually hiding the fact that her house is a gateway to death. It says the guy who listens to her and starts heading that way doesn't know that her house is full of the dead. And when you see that word dead in Proverbs, it's actually deads, the deads. It's, it's plural. It's always plural when it appears. It, the spooks. Her house is full of the spooks. That's what her house is full of. You go to her house, you turn into a spook. And so that's how you recognize folly. All right, so we've learned three things here from Proverbs 9. We've learned how to spot wisdom. We look for generosity. We look for an offer of life. We look, we look especially for an offer of life. How do we spot folly? She's being sneaky. That's, that's kind of how we spot folly. She's inviting you to do things you know you shouldn't do. That's how we spot folly. And we know how to start. 
we start by cultivating the fear of the Lord. So here's a test. What do you think of when you think about God? Do you think, do you, do you kind of have this vague sense that something bad's going to happen to you? You have this kind of vague sense that somebody's trying to catch you? <laughs> do you have a sense, do, are you indifferent to him? Or do you have a sense that you want to know more? C.S. Lewis gets at this a little bit, too. He gives us a diag... I think this is a great diagnostic tool. And it's in, the same, it's in the same passage, basically a little later on. When they hear of Aslan, the first time they hear of Aslan, a curious thing happens. None of the children knew who Aslan was. But the moment that the beaver spoke Aslan's name, everyone felt quite different. Perhaps it has sometimes happened to you in a dream that someone says something which you don't understand, but in the dream it feels as if it had some enormous meaning, either a terrifying one which turns the whole thing into a nightmare or else a lovely meaning too lovely to put into words, which makes the dream so beautiful that you remember it all your life and are always wishing you could get into that dream again. It was like that now. At the name of Aslan, each of the children felt something jump in his inside. Edmund, the kid who'd already gone over to the dark side, so to speak, felt a sensation of mysterious horror. Peter felt suddenly brave and adventurous. Susan felt as if some delicious smell or some delightful strain of music had just floated by her. And Lucy got the feeling you have when you wake up in the morning and realize it is the beginning of the holidays or the beginning of summer. So what do you feel when you hear the name Jesus? That's your first indication of whether you're headed for the house of wisdom or for the gateway to the spooks. And whether you need to keep going forward the direction you're going or turn around and walk the other way. God freely offers wisdom to everyone who asks and wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. Let's pray. Holy God, you have promised that whoever lacks wisdom can ask from you because you give to all men freely and don't hold back. And you promise that it will be given him. And so we ask you for wisdom today to guide our day, to guide our lives, to set us on the path of lifelong learning about you and toward you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about Samford University, check out samford.edu.